Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. G'day, welcome to the show. Osher Ginsberg here. This is Better Than Yesterday, a podcast here to make it better every week since 2013 by having a conversation with someone who's been there before. We're here three times a week. There's heaps of other episodes to get into. And uh, on Mondays, it's just you and me. On Wednesdays, I, I tend to have a guest, but it, uh, on Mondays, it's just me. It's just you just having a conversation. Because when I well, I'll talk about it in a second here. If you're new here, thanks for being a part of the show. I'm Osher Ginsberg. I'm a podcaster. I'm a TV host. I'm a, a car driver renderer. I'm a listen to podcasts very quickly kind of guy. And um, I'm glad you're here. Last week on the show, I spoke about exposure therapy. I spoke about how we can often forget that by gradually stepping towards things that frighten us, instead of those things becoming more frightening, we actually become more adept at dealing with the fears that we have around those things until eventually those things start to not bother us as much and then eventually start to not bother us at all. The only thing is, to get this incredible breakthrough, you've got to be willing to put yourself into some of the most emotionally uncomfortable places that you could imagine and stay there long enough for the fear to start to subside at that particular level of exposure. And then you stop and, and once you've recovered, the next day, the next week, whatever, you do it again, but with a higher level of exposure or a longer amount of time. And you do it again and again and again. And sometimes again, as an ongoing uh, maintenance of keeping those fears at bay. It's, it's a little like if you've ever spent any time away from physical activity and the very first time you get back to the gym, like even the most benign physical effort feels like you've run a Spartan race while having a UFC fight. You need the time to get your fitness back up to where it was. And the only way to get your fitness back is by doing the thing that makes you puffed in the first place. I'm a big fan of trying my best to use the shitty things that my brain can do 
in the most positive ways that I can. Because it's only shitty if it affects my life negatively. I know that I can get obsessive about things sometimes. Obsessive compulsive disorder tends to do that, does what it says on the box. And I know that my thoughts can ruminate negatively and just churn my life force, my joy and my vitality into mincemeat. That's when it's bad. However, that same part of my brain, when utilized properly, when I'm you know, taking control of my levels of stress, etc., that part of my brain can think about a particular thing over and over and over until a solution to a problem arises. Longer than other people that I've spoken to. It can also help me focus on something well beyond how long other people that I've worked with can focus on something. My brain's only hard to live with when the things that it can do turn against itself. And I know that if I'm taking my meds, if I'm sleeping as best I can, if I'm eating well, moving my body properly, practicing my downregulation, all that stuff, I'm usually pretty good. But when it's bad, it is horrific. The catastrophizing that my brain can do, when it's bad, it is unbearable to live with. And for a while there, it very nearly killed me. And thanks to some hard work, the previously mentioned exposure therapy, excellent medications, brilliant doctors, and enormous support from my wife and others around me. Now, I can barely recognize the man I was when I was ill. However, my brain can remember those catastrophic thinking patterns like I can still remember how to clear a level on my Game Boy 30 years ago. And so I have to be mindful of it because it, it can show up again. It's been stressful lately. I'm not going to lie. Like everybody, I am dealing with my share of uncertainty. And with that uncertainty comes a, a narrowing of my perspective when it comes to picturing how I could possibly cope if things turn out other than the way that I want them to turn out. And I know that's no good because if there's one thing I like, it's possibility. So lately I have been letting the catastrophizing bit of my brain off the leash a little bit and I'm, I've been letting it explore what things might look like if everything turns to shit. And I'm doing this because I know enough that if I am grimly gripping onto the status quo, which can look like, I don't know, staying in a job or a relationship or staying in a house you're living in or who you vote for, and only doing that again and again and again, because for so long, you simply didn't want to think about what life could look like without that thing being in your life. Well, if I'm doing that, and only because of those reasons, sometimes as a result, I can suffer greater and greater stress just trying to avoid what I think is the only alternative to that status quo and something that I have been avoiding like anything. And I'm not really making an informed choice. I'm, I'm not making a, a great decision then because I'm making a decision driven by one thing alone and that is a decision based on fear. If I'm enduring, for example, worse and worse conditions in a job, but the thought of being without a job has me frozen into inaction, then that's not really thinking very clearly. Same goes for a relationship, uh, your warehouse cricket team, the, the band that you're playing in, whatever. There's a way to work on this and there's a way to try to prevent yourself from making 
a fear-based decision to stay in something that's not great or a fear-based decision to avoid uncertainty and to kind of explore what that uncertainty looks like. And that's where the catastrophizing comes in handy. Now, businesses have been doing this sort of stuff for ages. It's called the pre-mortem analysis, not a post-mortem, a pre-mortem. Uh, say, for example, you're business planning or something and, and you all sit down with the team and you imagine, okay, so what happens when this project or this plan fails catastrophically, uh, when the product launches and nobody buys it? Uh, what do we do then? And they essentially, they work backwards to determine what could have potentially led to that thing failing. And so they, they start with everything falling apart and work back to see and identify bits in the plan that might eventually lead to that and try to do their best to prepare for it. Another term that's loosely used for this sort of thing is called disaster planning because, as I've spoken about before, the antidote to panic is a plan. So when I start to put my disaster planner hat on and I start to think about what happens when, not if, but when this thing that I have had in my life as a permanent assumption falls to bits, the job, the house, the health, the health of my kids, whatever... I start to think about that stuff. It's heavy lifting. Don't get me wrong. It's awful. But if you can be with the discomfort of, I don't know, something as awful as considering losing one of your children in a car accident or your boss being done for fraud, the company shutting shop, your relationship collapsing, you getting pancreatic cancer. Like if you can just be with that for a few minutes, feeling it in your body, for just a couple of minutes at a time, slowly the fear and the horror dissipates and then you're able to start thinking a little more in possibility and your options start to widen out a bit. It can look like calling up a mate who's perhaps been through what you're worried about, someone who's been made redundant or whose child has a terrible diagnosis or something that's been through an awful breakup you know, where they're only communicating through lawyers and it's kid swaps at 5 p.m. in a Macca's car park, you know, the really shitty ones. All it takes is one conversation and already you've got an entire set of actual facts to test your fears against. It's not a thing you need to do all the time. However, if a lingering worry or anxiety about how something might turn out badly, if that is stopping you from being in the moment, or what's going to happen if this doesn't... You know, if that's stopping you from being in the moment, being good at your job, making you cranky with your partner or your kids, or even starting showing up in your body. For me, it's cold sores, you know, face herpes. Thanks, guys. It's uncomfortable to do it, but it's it's a worthy exercise because it can help prevent that sort of the negative consequences right now from happening rather than the negative consequences that you're imagining. In my experience, it's about putting pen to paper something about it, moving a pen, pencil, crayon, paintbrush, I don't mind, but moving your hand, your arm, whatever, writing down. And then actually really feeling the emotion, feeling the sensation, feeling it arise in your body when you're imagining that awful thing happening. What it starts to do is rob that fear of its power over you. I tend to finish the exercise by reminding myself really clearly of the times when really horrible shit's happened. And I have always figured out a way to cope, to remind myself that, no, 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 you sorted that out. And there's no reason to expect that you won't find a way to cope again. Now it's worth doing that because even if the worst should happen, what you've done is you've given yourself the gift of getting through that initial knee-jerk, polarized, reactive, fear-based thinking phase, which can often follow something traumatic. 
even if you've made no plan on what to do next, that alone is a huge gift because yes, you'll be sad. It'll be horrible. But yes, you'll have something you otherwise would never have had. You'll have the ability to have a wider aperture of thinking to consider your possibilities and you'll have shortened the time between incident, acceptance and action. It hopefully prevent you from making real knee-jerk decisions or making rash decisions and finding true relief from getting into action. Because once we're in acceptance and we've moved into action, I know for a fact that is where there is true relief from fear. I know it's asking a lot, but I wanted to share that with you today because it's a practice that I've been doing of late. Yeah, it's difficult, but I found it to be profoundly useful, particularly when dealing with extended periods of uncertainty, which I know I'm not alone in dealing with. Huh. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of it. Uh, if you want to get tickets to the live shows or get on the newsletter, you can find um, links for both in the show notes or at osherginsberg.com. Thanks for being a part of the show. Thanks to Andy Marr for doing audio and video posts on this, Abby Benno for producing, Toe Hider for the music, and Ben and Monica for keeping the lights on at OGTV. Thanks for being here. I'll see you on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. King George is here. King George from Survivor. Yeah. King George. Cannot wait. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.